interesting. We have some visitors from Michigan. Now, Gary and Shirley will talk about their Michigan years. They have their, let's see, the Chicago years, Michigan years, Kennett years, Tulsa years, Jonesboro years, and like three other cities or something. And, uh, but there's nobody alive from any of those times to confirm any of that. And then today we have some people from Michigan saying they were up there and they were good people. And I was just like, oh, it made me feel so good. So Gary and Shirley, I'm sorry for ever doubting you. But anyway, grateful that they're here. We also have some folks from Jackson, Tennessee. By the way, these are Emily's parents. Emily has been mistreated all her life. The other kids are the favorites. Emily is kind of the runt of the litter. And uh, I just want to say publicly, she's one of the most amazing young ladies we know. So the others must really be outstanding, is all I can say. And please treat her better. Please treat her better for our sake, okay? Um, I was going around talking to some people. Kennedy over here lost a tooth. Where are you, Kennedy? Where are you? And I said, okay, did you get, was that worth anything? She said, 20 bucks. Okay, so last time Noah lost a tooth, he told me we have the Dave Ramsey Ferry. Does that make any sense to anybody? <laughs> and it's getting wilder and wilder. I'm, I'm going to tell you, that's got to be for first tooth only. I, I'm just telling you. I don't, I, I don't know. That just makes me weird. Anyway, so uh, if you'll be making your way to Ephesians chapter 6, we're not going to be uh, uh, cruising too many different places. We're all going to stay in mostly the same place. Uh, together as we talk about a very simple message, and it's, it's a little bit shorter. I know you've got other places to go and, and fewer people anyway, but um, we're going to do that after we sing. We're still going to sing, so here we go. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. This was supposed to be back to school bash, Michael. It was supposed to be back to school bash. Bunches of kids tonight, great singing, all that stuff, but we're going to have to put that off for a couple weeks. Still on. And if something really weird happens and we don't have the full thing, we're still going to have the speakers and do everything like normal. But this was supposed to be that extra energetic Sunday for back to school back because of some COVID stuff. We're having to push that back some. As the elders were weighing this out, I, I got to tell you some things about an elders meeting. I won't tell you the vote on this, but I can just tell you. The, here's, the, here's the thing that went. They were saying, yes, we need to be conscious of the COVID thing. But if... If we don't have it, we still have to hear our normal preacher. So what should we do? And that's what tilted it. They said, okay, um, uh, we can still have it in two weeks. We'll still get that special Sunday. We only have to hear him today, not two weeks. So the, anyway, the, the, the whole thing is this. I'm sorry you're stuck with your normal preacher. You should have had a shot of energy today and, and a good, and I was going to hear a good sermon too for a change. So we're all kind of, you know, just out of it today. But anyway, it's coming. It's coming. And so just live with it. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we are because we're continuing the home improvement series and we shine a flashlight on uh, on different relationships within the family. We've already done two or three of these. Just one thing from Scripture that would bless or encourage or edify these relationships. And for all of them so far, it's been really hard. What do you say? One thing that will bless your family, one thing marriage, one thing parenting. But when it comes to young people, 
which is where we are today, it's really easy. It all comes down to this. Children, obey your parents. That's the only thing ever spoken specifically to young people, addressing them right between the eyes. You, you can see the, the writer of Ephes- or the reader of the Ephesian letter standing in front of the church saying, okay, now, uh, husbands and wives, and so the husbands and the wives, and they stand up, and they read Paul's admonition to them. And then, okay, y'all sit down, and he's, he's going to talk about slaves and masters. But then he says, okay, children. Now, I don't know who, what age exactly that is. These are people who know God. They have a relationship with God, and they know their responsibility to him. So I don't know really what age this is. But he's saying to the young people, you have... You have some spiritual responsibility. You are capable of being spiritual young people. And the word I have for you, he says, is obey your parents. Now, this was a problem in the first century because children, unlike today, were totally disregarded. So that when Timothy, who was a very young preacher, comes on the scene, Paul gives him this instruction. He says to Timothy, don't let anyone... This version says, despise you for your young age or look down on you because you're young. They had a tendency to dismiss young people. They don't have any contribution to make. They don't have any real skin in the game. We can't really expect much from them. And Paul says to Timothy, don't you dare fall for that. You have responsibility and capability, and I'm, I'm expecting some things from you. And this means we don't put too much on our young people, but listen, church, here's what it means. It means our young people are capable of being spiritual people. They are capable of a lot of spiritual things, and we should expect them to be. Don't overdo it. Don't exasperate them. Don't put so much on them they, they get discouraged. But we need to make them know we expect something from you. So young people, this is your message for you and what God is expecting of you. And he would signal to you as the most important thing from him and, and, and blessing your life. So after addressing uh, fathers, uh, the, the husbands and wives in Ephesians chapter 5, he turns to the children and the parents. And he says... I want you, young people, to obey your parents. Yes, your parents, first, will make you obey them. That's part of the parental role. But when you start taking on your understanding of your spiritual existence before God, you need to cooperate with this obedience thing. You don't need to make them force you to be obedient all the time. You need to, from God's request of you, You need to participate and cooperate with this whole obedience thing. As if they needed an example, he could have come up with one. There's very little we know about Jesus from his early years. He was taken to the temple in his very early years. He stayed there for three days when he was 12. You remember that? He got lost and the parents got all uptight about that. But really, largely from birth to the age of 30, you know very little about him. But there is this one thing that we're told, and it's all we're told about his childhood. He went down with them, came to Nazareth, that's where he grew up, and he was submissive to his parents. This is what you know. What was God expecting of Jesus as a youth to prepare him for his Messiahship when he was 30? It's this, obey your 
parents. That was the greatest message he gave to the young Jesus. And he did. His mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And it says, Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. How did he do that? By obeying his parents. That's how the Lord became the Lord, right? And as if he knows childhood, young people need a reason. Why, 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 why? It's always the question. So this is one of those commands in Scripture, very rare really, where God gives the reason why. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, he says. Here's the first thing. I want to put it in the context. Context is always king here. Here is the passage it's taken from. Get it from Ephesians. This is very important. So, the first thing, verse 21 of chapter 5 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. One of the things that we're supposed to do is we're supposed to submit to one another. I'm to yield to you, not always demand my own way. He then gives three illustrations from within the family. What that looks like, what submitting to one another looks like, is first, husbands and wives. We've looked at that already. Second, parents and children. That's where we are in the passage now. After this will be masters and slaves. This is how you submit to one another. But that's not the full context. We go back in the passage up above chapter 5, verse 21, and it says this. Be filled with the Spirit. I want you to be Spirit-filled people. I want you to let the Holy Spirit guide your life. We don't talk about this much, but we need to. And we need to have a training exercise in junior high and high school to help young people know how can they be filled with the Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit of God. Because here's what happens. This is what it looks like, he says, when you're filled with the Spirit. You first of all address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We've done that today. We sing and make melody in our heart to the Lord, so we direct it toward each other and to God. We give thanks to God the Father for everything in Christ Jesus. That's the third thing. And the fourth thing we do is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what being filled with the Spirit looks like. Why is that important? If you're a young person who's been immersed, in fact, I wanna, I wanna see this. If you're, between, if, if you're between the age of zero and 20 years old, would you, and you're a Christian, a baptized believer, would you stand up right where you are? Young people between zero and 20. Let's just say that's the young people we're talking about. Okay, okay, we got some of you, all right? Go ahead and sit back down. Those people who stood up, you have the Holy Spirit of God. From the moment you were immersed, the Spirit of God comes in your life, and he does these four, he wants you to do these four things. That's what being filled with the Spirit looks like. You will submit to your parents if you're following the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot be a follower of God and roll your eyes at your parents and think that that is okay with the Spirit. You are grieving the Spirit of God when you roll your eyes or you talk back at them or you're a smart aleck or you disobey them. You cannot do that and still be okay with the Holy Spirit. He's convicting you when you do that. That is not what he will lead you to do. The Holy Spirit, I guarantee, we know this for sure, there's a lot of mystery surrounding him, but I know this about the Spirit. He will lead you to obey your parents. Absolutely. You know that. So be about it. The first reason you need to obey your parents is because you're spirit-filled people. This is assuming you're a Christian. 
You are a spirit-filled believer, and that is where he will lead you to go, to submit to those parents who are over you. Reason number two, he says, is because it's just obviously right. That's what he means by this. It's right in the eyes of everybody. This is one of those times where he says, even in our culture, everybody recognizes this is the obviously right thing. Given all that your parents have done for you, all the sacrifices they've made, it is only right for you to cooperate with them and submit to their leadership. It is the right thing. And I think everybody, every culture in the world that's ever existed understood this as a structure for our society. But when he mentions it in 1 Timothy chapter 5, that's where these verses on the screen are from. 1 Timothy chapter 5, he makes some interesting conversation about this. If a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household. You be faithful in your own house. And, and repay your parents and grandparents. It's, it's natural, isn't it? What does he mean by repaying them? It's, it's just obviously right to everybody. We should repay them. Given what they have done for you, you should repay them by serving, honoring, and obeying them. That's how you do it. They changed the diapers. They fed you all those years. It cost a fortune to raise you. I can say this now, and I couldn't have said this a few years ago. Many people left this morning early service and said, that sermon is so true, but these were all older people. I can see the truth of what you're saying. You young people have no idea what I'm saying. I'm talking gibberish. You don't even know. It's kind of like, but I'm saying, I'm saying to you, this, you'll, you'll understand this when you become a parent and you change the diapers for a while. You do all that stuff. It's right for you to respond with honor and obedience. It's just the right thing. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially the members of his immediate household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Worse than someone who doesn't even believe in Jesus is the person who doesn't recognize the natural obligation you have to your parents. It just is right. It just makes sense. Number three and number four all together. This commandment, is straight from the heart of God. It makes the top 10 in the Old Testament. It's still in effect. Honor your father and your mother. And then he goes on to say, and by the way, I'm going to put a reward with it. None of the other commands does he do this. And you know how the commands are. The first four are for God and your relationship to him. The last six are between us as, in, as, as interrelated people. But the first one to cover that last six is a transition one. It's the honor your parents. Your parents are like your first awareness of God is you kind of, a, you view your parents that way. Their God was skin on for you. And it's, it's important if you're going to honor God, you honor your parents first. That's where you learn it. That's the school of obedience to God is your parents. And you'll live long in the land, he said in the Old Testament. Here he says you'll live long on earth. What does that mean? You'll live longer if you do this. You'll live better lives if you do this. What does that make sense? Well, there's this Deuteronomy passage. I'm going to read it. Now, keep in mind, this is not in effect. This is part of the things that were nailed to the cross. Thank the Lord, because our numbers would be very different in assembly today if this were practiced. Here we go. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, though they discipline him, will not listen to them. Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out, of the elders of the, uh, out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. 
you, you grab that boy by the scruff of the neck and you haul him out to the city gate, front of the elders. Next screen. And they shall say to the elders of this city, this is our son and he's stubborn and he's rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. This would be very impactful. This would really make an impression. Stone him to death with stones, and you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel will hear, and they'll take notice. How many of us would still be here if we lived in the Old Testament? Tony, I know you're out. I know that. There's no, el there's no elder Paul right now. I guarantee that. This is bad news, Old Testament times, right? But I have a couple of questions for you. Now, we don't do this, so it's not an effect, but let me ask you this. Why take them to the city gate? Samford would say, I brought you into this world, and, well, come on. Didn't you hear this at home, y'all? I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Well, God says, I don't want the parents doing that. There's no verse for a parent killing his own kid. There's a verse here, though, for taking him to the city gate. Why is the city gate to be involved? And why aren't the parents taking him out? Instead, all the elders are picking up a rock. So if we did this at church today, you'd have our elders with rocks and the parents sitting there watching. And the elders take out the kid. What's going on here? Here's the deal, guys. If you don't learn cooperation, respect for authority at home, you will wreak havoc in the community. The whole community knows this. You will disrupt the fiber of the way the world works, and the city can't afford your chaos. And so the city takes responsibility for taking you out. It's not just a problem in the home, y'all. It becomes a problem for everybody. Tell me that isn't the American culture right now. That's exactly it, right? Because here's what he's saying in essence. When you're chaotic and rebellious at home and you don't make them obey, your kids don't obey, they don't learn the structure of authority and cooperation, guess what? When they go to school, they wreak havoc. You can't teach kids in the public anymore because you've got all these kids acting like rebels and crazy people and they're disrupting all the order of the school. And then they get kicked out of school and they go into the community and they try to play ball in the summer and they disrupt their teams and they try to get a job, but guess what? They can't keep a job and they always have have a good excuse for why oh so-and-so was so mean and they didn't treat me right or blah 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 I can't get along at school and so now in my job and so they kick you out of a job you can't find a job you're out there on the public roll you get married and you don't know how to treat somebody with respect you beat them around you beat them around all the time and you don't treat them at all like they should and all of a sudden society's got a mess on their hands if we just teach them obedience at home That wouldn't happen. You would learn to cooperate. You'd learn to respect the authority over you. And your entire life is lived better, longer, and with greater appreciation from others. You can live peacefully, but you've got to learn it at home. That's where it has to be taught. And that's what he's saying with this command. If you can just learn that there, we will all say thank you, Mom and Dad.
because the rest of society bears the blessing of it. So this is easy to understand. It's a simple command. There's not a lot of things that I would say to young people except obey your parents. That's what God wants. And while every, Because I think everything that follows in your life builds on that very foundation. Jesus, I think, demonstrates this, but this is true for us, and we know it's true. That doesn't mean it's easy to do. It's easy to understand and easy to say, but it's not easy to do. Your parents will be wrong sometimes, and they can be stubborn, and they can be overbearing, and they can show favoritism, and they can do all this stuff, right? But spiritual maturity that you gain from obeying your imperfect parents creates this foundation that everything else that comes after that can be built upon it. So the Pharisees come up with this plan. We don't want to give our money to our parents as they get older. We want to give it to God. So they create this Corbin account. And I put it up, sorry, Mom and Dad, I can't help you as you get older because all my money is dedicated to God. And Jesus says, I'll have none of that. That's ridiculous. Don't you tell me that you want to love God and bypass your parents. That is impossible. He wants to love you, to love him through your parents and the way you treat them. But here's why I think it's the big deal. Jesus demonstrates this too. The absolute key to everything in your spiritual life about holiness is obedience. It's to do what God has told us to, most especially when it's not what you want to do. That is the absolute key to everything spiritually. Reading the word of God and conforming your life to it rather than making it conform to you. That is the absolute secret. Saying no to you so you can say yes to God. But where does that start? Where do we learn that? Where do we get the maturity that allows us to say no to me, to look in the mirror and say, I know what you want, but no, it's not what God wants and we're going to do what he wants. Where does that start? Children, obey your parents. They're going to tell you something to do that you don't want to. And you're going to fight against it, and you're going to yell, and you're going to grumble, and you're going to whine, and you're going to complain, and all that stuff. And if you do that, it makes this maturity so much harder. If you'll learn to say, yes, I'll do that, because I trust that your way is better than mine. Then when it comes time for you to do that with God, you're ready to do that. Here's what it says about Jesus. The grace of God has appeared. Talking about Jesus, Jesus in the flesh. He came. We saw him bringing salvation for all people that we rejoice about, we gather around the table for here in just a moment, right? But it does something else. The appearance of Jesus on earth and his life trained us to say no to ungodliness and worldly pain. We watch Jesus and we learn how to tell ourselves no to ungodliness and worldly passions, but to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. We learn from Jesus how to tell ourselves no. Isn't that something? Here's how he says it in Hebrews chapter 5. In the days of his flesh, while Jesus was living on earth, he offered up prayers and supplication loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard for his reverent submission although he was a son he learned obedience through what he suffered he learned to hear god tell him no when he wanted to say yes the temptations he's hungry after 40 days and he wants to eat but god says you're not going to eat until i feed you and god and so here comes the tempter to intervene and try to put in his own feelings he he starts becoming his a mirror of himself you want to eat here eat this no not until god says so 
He told himself no. And then at the garden at the end, so at the very beginning of his ministry, he did that. At the very end of his ministry, he's in a garden. We're going to celebrate the cross and the resurrection, but I'm going to tell you what the secret to the cross was. The secret to the cross was in the garden. When he sat there and he didn't want to do it, and the father says, you've got to do this. And he says, I don't want to do this. And he says, you've got to do this. And I don't want to do this. You've got to do this. I don't want to do this, but I will. And he did. And it's your only hope. He obeyed his parents. You're going to look in a mirror one day and you're going to say, I really want to sleep with this person who's not your spouse. And you're going to tell yourself no. And you learn that from your parents. I'd rather not go on Wednesday night. I'm really tired. I don't, I don't want to make that trip and come up there. I know, I know, and I understand. I don't want to go. Yeah, but you're going to make yourself go. And it's going to be out of honor for your parents. You don't want to go to work one day. I just don't want to. I just don't want to. I don't want to be. I hate this adulting. You ever heard that word? That's an amazing word. Noah says to me, I hate adulting. Yeah, welcome to the world. Adulting is another word, at least partly, for maturity, for self-control. He won in the garden and he won in the wilderness because he obeyed his parents rather than his own druthers. And you're going to win a cross and a crown, right? All of it. Because you're going to obey your parent rather than what you want. You want to play video games and not help around the house and in the yard, but you need to help around the house. They need you to, and you need to. And you can't always do what you want to do. And sometimes you need to do what you're asked. So obey, children, obey. You don't always want to go to Bible class or that church event or that youth event or whatever. You'd rather relax and do your own thing, easy at home and in bed. But you need to listen to your parents, and they tell you to get up and to go. You might even be glad you did, but even if you don't, you're not glad you did. You need to go anyway. You need to obey. And I know you want to date earlier than they want you to, and you want to do whatever you want, and you want all the restrictions off, and you want to go where you want, with whom you want, whenever time you want. You have other things you'd rather be doing than be made to do something different. But what your parents know is that what you want is not always what's best. And it's, all, it's always okay to disagree with them if you want to, but grit your teeth and obey. Because for the rest of your life, you'll have times I don't want to go to work. I don't want to be faithful to my spouse. I don't want the obligations that come with a child all the time when it's not convenient for me. I don't want to practice self-control. I just want to break free and do my own thing. You want that day where you do only what you want to do and forget everything else, but you can't. And deep down, you know it's not best for you. So you tell yourself no, and you get up and you go to work, and you stay faithful, and you avoid that website, and you go to church on Wednesday night when you'd really, really stay home. You submit to God and do what he wants you to, not what you want. And you'll smile, and you'll think of your parents and you'll thank them, and you'll make them proud, and you'll be a little more like Jesus, and God will smile. Children, obey your parents. It's not just mowing the yard. 
It's not just putting your stuff up and cleaning your room. It's not just that. It's something much bigger than that. It's something more important than that. And you're kind of double dipping like these people used to do with National Guard. You get paid by National Guard and then your employer who you're missing days with, you get paid double and you get, you get double duty, right? You get to obey your parents, which makes them happy, and it thrills your God. So you get double payment for what you're doing one time. It's sort of like your parents are trying to teach you this when you did something at school and you got a paddle at school, you get home, you get a whipping at home, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Oh yeah, this is theologically accurate, church. This is theologically accurate. You didn't just offend a, a teacher, you offended your parents and you offended God. You triple dipped is what you did. When we're talking about obeying your parents, we're not just talking about little stuff that doesn't matter. All that stuff adds up because one of these days, you're going to have to tell yourself no a lot and make yourself obey the God you serve when you don't want to. And your parents are helping you right now by getting used to it early. And everybody will reap the benefits. And by the way, this never dies. There's a lot of people who say, you know, this is just a young people sermon or whatever. Even if your parents are gone, there's this transition that happens. First, you obey your parents. You heard that, right? Children obey your parents. But then it went to honor your parents. Do you know when your honoring ends? It never does. As you live the rest of your life, you are reflecting on the parents who raised you. You have the distinct honor of taking their name and their reputation with you. And you get to, even long after they're gone, you get to give them a good name by how you live your life, and it's an incredible honor. It's not something you have to be mantled with. It's something that you will consider a privilege as you carry out the rest of your life. And even old people, their parents long gone, can still be completing this command and honoring this word. And this morning, I'm just saying to you, if you're, you're not a believer, I'm going to tell you this. The first step, the first thing you got to do is submit to him and obey him. When he says, I want you to confess your sins and be immersed in the waters of baptism, you may not completely understand why that's important, but can I tell you, that's what he asked you to do. And the rest of your life, you'll be continuing to do those things. Sometimes you don't like it, and sometimes you don't even understand why, but you know that he says it, and therefore you do it, and that's obedience, and that's the secret to the Christian life, and it's the secret to living well this morning if there's any response of obedience you need to make now's the time to make it as we stand and as we sing jesus keep me near the cross there